Welcome to Rebecca Sounds Reveille. Well, let's today talk about finances. Have I got a guest for you who has well over 40 years experience in the financial field. He is founder and president of, well, Investors Advantage Corp. He is amazing because what he has brought to the table is something that I haven't seen so far. And you know, we talk to a lot of people in finance. We talk to them about retirement planning. We talk about investments, but I'm going to tell you, this is something that I haven't seen before. And I think you're going to like it because as you know, I like to leave you with something that you can use. And today you're going to get that. This is about delivery. And not only am I going to deliver it to you, but my guest today is going to be able to do that for you as well. He's a registered principal at Securities America Financial Corp. He's holding his holding series is seven twenty four and sixty three securities. Um, it, those are his licenses, and he's duly licensed in both life and disability insurance. He's a contributing column, columnist at the Wave newspapers. I love this, and he's a master certified and charter member at Dents. Dent Research. I have so much exciting information about what we're going to talk about today because, like I said, it's stuff that you're going to be able to use. And I really want to make sure that you take advantage of the things that we're going to talk about today. So, without any further ado, with me today is John Grace. Welcome. Thank you, Rebecca. Good to be with you. I am really excited because we're talking a little bit off air. And one of the things that I shared with you is I don't ever talk with anybody that really has this formula or something concrete that allows you to really lay it on the table like it is. And you have something that is just that. This is true. And by the way, um, many of us have access to the same technology. I'm talking about my peers who unfortunately I often apologize for because uh, when we say I've been in the business for 22 and a half years, what we really mean is I've been in the business one year and I repeated it 22 and a half years times. Okay. So I just okay. repeating what I was taught and I'm going to keep repeating what I said. And that way there's no information here. <laughs> well, we don't like to get to, to, to go like that. And we work a lot with engineers and they don't like that at all because they think it sounds salesy and guess what? I, I would agree. So okay. the day, it's about, you know, remember sometimes you'd come home and it used to be, you know, how was school? And then it became, what did you learn? <laughs> you know, what yes. can you share with me that I can tell you actually were paying attention in the classroom as opposed to just sitting there? Because I don't know if you were sitting there throwing spitballs and I'm going to have to hear from the principal uh, later. Tonight. Yeah, I don't want to do that. So one of the things that um, I maintain the securities industry has been really excellent at, maybe to a fault, is primarily the primary message that we have conveyed that investors uh, ex uh, understand is buy and hold. So let's, let's talk about this because it makes a lot of sense until it doesn't, like so many things, right? So many investors have been investors for a while and they've seen two 50% losses, 0 to 02, again, whoops, 0809. And uh, that was just fine when we're making contributions to our account. We can afford that kind of negative volatility, particularly since we don't need the money and we can add more shares to the equation. So now we can see markets decline, but it's kind of like getting more seashells when the tide is out. This isn't the time that we're going to be using this money. So the stratosphere of, or the, the explanation of uh, buying and holding makes all the sense in the world when we don't need the money or we're continuing to add to our accounts. But I'm going to submit to you, there's a demarcation line at the point that uh, people start taking withdrawals. And let's understand the folks with the money primarily are baby boomers, born 1946 to 1964. So that would put, I think, Michelle Obama this year around 55 at the lower end, younger end, uh, Donald Trump, uh, Bill Clinton, okay. uh, George W. all turned 73 this year. What this mm. means is we have 76 million people who are, are getting into their 70s. What's new about that is at 70, you have to start taking withdrawals from all of that money you put in traditional uh, retirement accounts and the two things that people at the early ages don't recognize is that the withdrawal level is 3.65% at 70 and it goes up every year for life. You can't stop it. 
And at five, for example, the uh, schedule is that, oh, God bless you, you've stuck around and we, the government wants to tax this money. So now the withdrawal rate is 11%. That's huge. That's huge. All right. So let's suppose just for our scenario here that anyone you know, maybe it's you, maybe it's me, it's, it's increasing numbers of us, that's for sure, with uh, 10,000 people a day turning 65 through 2030, let's say you had a million dollars on January of 08 and that you were 70 years old. Let's just make the math really simple, assuming that you only took out $30,000, 3% okay. million, not much. But the market hurricane hit sometime between January 08 and March of 09. And the, the drawdown is the combination of a 57% loss plus a 30% withdrawal. Now, if we started the year at a million, after the loss and the withdrawal, the account value is reduced by 600,000. Okay. Now there's $400,000 in the account. You tell me how you're going to get that $400,000 back to a million. I don't think the odds are favorable. Right, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Uh, maybe, yeah, not, not ever again, <laughs> right? So the, no, and you, don't, you can't predict what the market's going to do after that either. That's ex you're precisely on point because one of the things people say was, well, you know, when I didn't need it, I'm glad I didn't need it, but it's come back. But I need you to look at this from the standpoint, two things, to your point, the market doesn't come back or certainly not as soon as you have seen it before. And two, you're going to be taking withdrawals whether you want them or need to because the IRS imposes that schedule on this money for the rest of your life. So you might want to see that there, the, 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 the whole thing, the whole point to buy and hold works when you're making contributions. That friend turns into your foe when you start taking withdrawals and now the account balance just keeps getting lower and lower. So one of the things that we like to do is not ask people, I, I'm sorry, going to submit or silly questions. Are you conservative, moderate, or aggressive? I say silly because does anybody know what any of those terms mean? Because I don't either. Uh, and sometimes people say, well, I'm conservative. Right. And they're 80% stock. So we're like, your portfolio is telling a different story. I hear you. I see this. Let's decide which one is true. But maybe a better question is to really help you uh, determine to your way of looking at things, what kind of loss can you accept? So when we uh, ask a series of questions, which are available on our website, anybody can go through and go through, uh, you know, the five or six questions to see both the loss in terms of the return and in terms of the account impact. Sometimes we find that uh, people say, you know, uh, I was contributing in 0002, I was contributing in 0809, but uh, in a couple of years, I'm going to start taking withdrawals. It's a different ballgame, and you're precisely right. So they go through the exercise and they find, wow, we can live with an 8% loss. Then we take the next step when we can. And that is okay. to take the current portfolio and run it backwards. So it would be, Rebecca, let's suppose that the positions you hold today are exactly the same positions you held in January of 08. So let's go back and look to see how, Janu how 2008 treated your money. Because you probably don't remember. And if you're back, sure. even, you probably never looked again. You just, well, it's back. Oh, geez, that's 10 years ago. Oh, my goodness. That's so old news. Well, you probably don't remember. Uh, market was off 37%. Uh, and lo and behold, from peak to trough, in, in 2008, off 37%. But from peak to trough, the market loss was 57%. So let's do the math. We started January with a million. Market mm -hmm. gain took away 570000 You spent 30000 so what was a million, $600,000 has gone away and the account value by uh, you know, March, April of 2009 is 400,000. Really? And now uh, what do you think the odds are that this $400,000 might get back to 1 million? I don't like the odds, <laughs> right? No. If the loss and the withdrawals total 50%, we need a 100% gain. If it's more like 60%, we need a hundred and. 50% gain, I don't like the odds. If on the other hand, let's suppose we could keep the losses and the withdrawals to let's say 20%. Okay. That would be 25, that might happen, right? Uh, but needing 100 or 150, I don't, I, I don't wanna play that game. So the first step is to look at the portfolio or look at your, take out our thermometer to see what kind of loss you can accept. Let's suppose it's 8%. 
And then you go back and see that your account that's back to even now got as ugly as uh, 43 or 50% in 2008. And you can now discern, geez, that I could afford to do that then, but I can't afford to do that on a moving forward basis. Sure. So next step is to look to see, can we design a portfolio where you have some sense as to what the win-loss parameters might be? So we'll compare the existing portfolio, again, assuming no changes, saw the account was off 42%, you're willing to live with eight, versus a, 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 uh, a comparison of a, of a different portfolio. And now we see, geez, you were willing to live with eight, and this portfolio was only off seven in 2008. Okay. Uh, not to say that there's a guarantee, right? But we are saying that if we can limit the losses in a bad year, I think it helps us keep our attitudes together, have a nice day, right? Uh, and feel like I can stay in this game because my money hasn't gone south forever, not just for the winter, but forever. So let's limit the losses and design the portfolio. And we can talk about what, what does that entail, but design the portfolio so that you have a sense that I know my expectations are going to be met. I have reason to believe that my expectations won't uh, turn on me. So the portfolio, to the extent that it performs within the parameters that I can live with, now I, now I can watch the news without being engaged in the news from the standpoint, oh my goodness, September 21 to uh, Christmas Eve, market's off 20%. Whew, what's my account doing? Is it doing that badly? Is it doing worse? No, at that time, that's another way to, to look at it, by the way, is to go back just to that last quarter, how did your account do? Did it do exactly what the market did? Or was it set in such a way where you can see that the loss was 5% for the third or fourth quarter? Uh, and if it's at 5%, you can probably say Merry Christmas. <laughs> if it's at 20% or more, well, uh, now I'm worried about uh, what happens after Christmas is over, we're starting a new year, and I I'm in the hole. So uh, that, that's the kind of thing that I think is, is worth pointing out to people. And it is available on our website. That's fantastic. And you're able to utilize this as time goes on so that it, when there is a shift within the market, you can begin to see what you need to do with the calculator to adjust your portfolio to maintain your goals. Right. Or, or to put, I would say we want to uh, put the parameters in place and the, uh, the uh, technology in place in advance. So let, let me say it another way. We can show folks that uh, typically you, any portfolio, exchange-traded funds, mutual funds, there's some percentage of the assets in cash. So let's say okay. 4 or 5%. So let's suppose, again, we've got this million dollars in 2008, and you started the year with 5% cash, but by 1231, the cash was 60% or more. Okay. So what that means is, the best way I can put it, this is oversimplistic, but I think it helps convey the message. Remember the, the good old movie, uh, Karate Kid, Wax On, Wax Off? Yes. So in 2008, we wanted risk off or wax off. In other words, okay. out of risk assets into safety, whether it's cash, whether it's alternative, some combination of the two. Bonds could have been a good way to go, but let's get the money off the track and put the money on the side, let the train run. So that's risk off in 08. And then 2009, of course, was a very good year. Let's fully invest back to risk assets, risk on, wax on you know, trains cleared the station, now we can get all of the gains that we want to get in a very good year, because of course, some people got very scared after 08, went to cash, saw no gains because they were afraid to get back in. Yes. So let's let the system do the work to pull our assets, if you will, out of the way, keeping our assets intact in cash, and then getting back in risk assets, and then monitoring. We, this, here's a question we are charged with, risk on, risk off. Are we putting uh, more fuel on this fire, let's say in 2009, in a good year? Or is it water on this fire in 2008? Get me out. <laughs> yes, that makes a lot of sense. Now, a lot of people have said recently that they're expecting another climate like that of 2008. Do you see that coming? And if, let's just say, whether they're right or wrong, it doesn't matter. We want to protect ourselves. Absolutely. If this strategy is the best way to go. It's one way to go, mostly because it's not uh, locked in. It's not, it's not keeping you in the game when you want to be in the dugout, all right? You want to be a spectator. Okay, that makes sense. 
All right. Um, and you, the, let's see, the first part you're asking about, well, we're, we're, we're saying it's a two-part strategy. One is the way of actively managing assets, whether it's cash, stocks, bonds, or, uh, well, those are pretty much it, the, the liquid accounts, cash, bonds, and stocks. So, so are we all in or all out? But it's uh, on a daily question, the, 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 the question we want answered is the, is the system continuing to ask the question every day and answering the question every day, do we want to add fuel or do we want to put water on, on this situation so that we can you know, stay as intact as possible? Because that's, that's really what investors want to do. That's really, really important. Now, your company was created a couple of years ago through a merge. We participated. Well, it, it actually, we're part of a group of financial advisors that are permanently in Southern California. And so the combined assets under management is about $800 million. So we're, we're part of that team, Elite uh, Financial. So this really tells those who know about finances that you're making smart, sound decisions because not only are you working with those individually, but your company as a whole is moving forward. You're growing. Things are getting bigger. And, right. and that says a lot. Well, it does. And thank you for that. And then and the second piece is we believe in greater diversification. So part yeah. one is active management. That's, that's our first uh, line of defense, if you will. And the second piece of the puzzle is greater diversification. So let, let's spend a minute there. Let's suppose that you are on the Yale Endowment Board. Okay. And I don't know if you've looked recently. We check this regularly. They only produce one report a year. But here, let's play along. I don't expect you have the answers. And by the way, the you know, audience can do the same. Don't, don't think you have the answers because unless you've looked, you probably will do what I did but before I looked. And you're going to guess wrong. But let's play the game because it's just very different. And so here's the first question. Let's suppose you're on the board, you're looking at your June 30 statement, that would be 27, 2018, because they only show their uh, cards, if you will, once a year. And here's okay. the question. As a ratio of $29.4 billion, what do you imagine Yale Endowment has as a percentage in corporate bonds? Oh, gosh, 25%. Okay, and so the, the actual number, I said 40, by the way, uh, the last year I looked, it was three. three no months. kidding. Right. Okay. So now let's talk about U.S. stocks. You said 25 to bond, so what would you call for U.S. stocks if you're looking at your statement at Yale Endowment? I probably would have said probably 50 to 75. Okay, and that's more like four. Percent. Interesting. Okay. All right. Okay. So we have 15% international, and the total, I think, is about 20, 25% is in things like stocks, bonds, and international. The exposure to international, for most people, that's higher than they would expect it. They would have expected that their portfolio, that Yale's portfolio, really mirror how the retail side has told all investors to hold money. Typically, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, you're, you're diversified. Right. That it is two asset classes that would look like two legs underneath your portfolio stool. Notice that Yale, for the basic classes that most retail investors relate to, stocks, bonds, and cash, uh, that would be three legs, but it's only, as I say, 25, 24% of the total ratio of their assets which means that they, the, the other part of the equation is where's the rest of the money? That's it's, what I was just gonna, that's what I'm thinking. Where's the rest of the money going? Well, first let's notice it's in five additional asset classes. So three legs, it might be a good stool. Eight legs certainly is a stronger stool, all right? And they don't have any heavy bets anywhere, but you'll see things like currencies and commodities and okay. Okay. corporations, private equity, venture capital, uh, these things that really have little or no correlation to interest rates, uh, except maybe to the upside, and uh, certainly stock market exposure. So it's just, they made the portfolio a lot more complicated at that level than the retail investors had any idea. They Not to say that this is a template and you should follow what Yale's doing, sure. but it's a darn good example of watching what the smart money's doing and maybe well, take some cues. Absolutely. So do they also look at cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and metals? 
the, the last I looked, uh, they do not have in any of those areas, I do not believe they have any positions there, at least not at this time. That's really interesting because you hear a lot of talk about if you're going to make investments, this is a way to go. This is this is the future and all of these things. But yet it seems like tried and true seems to be very, very stable in comparison. But at this time, yes, that might that might change. You know, there are new things coming down the pike. Uh, some of the issues, as you know, is that it's there's there's no authority. There's no government involved. So it's truly the wild wild west uh and you know for, who knows how this might turn out but uh it, it, there's no way of measuring or accounting for how your expectations might be meet exceeded or blown up this is really interesting what you have been able to devise with really focusing in and zeroing in on being able to work with individuals is very unique. I like the idea that not only myself, but our viewers can go directly to your website and do the risk themselves, see how this is going to work for me and yeah. then be able to follow it. And not only can I look at it myself, but then I can work one-on-one -on -one with you to be able to create a strategy that's going to work for me because ultimately I think there was a lot of people that really woke up to financial awareness um, that they didn't have before somewhere around 2008. It was time yeah. to start getting real with money because a lot of people lost big time, whether well, it was real estate. To your question about 2008, do we see it happening again? I'm going to say it's just really a matter of time, but I'm also going to um, take a more conservative point of view and to say it, it's let's not get lost in trying to get the prediction right. Sure, let's, sure, sure. Let's spend more time on uh, putting the right proposal together, okay? It's not about the prediction. Uh, it's about the protection. It's about um, you know making sure I'm playing the game in a way that it that, that it makes sense to me because you just can't catch that falling axe in time without yes. hurting yourself. Okay, as I say, just look at September 21 to, to Christmas Eve while we're all busy and you're preparing for the holidays, and lo and behold, your account's lighter by 20%. You didn't do anything, and this this may not be the end. This could be the beginning of a, a more serious decline. So it's more about the preparation than it is about the prediction, because if you're prepared, I mean, you know, uh, if you're on any coast and you're prepared for a hurricane on the East Coast or a firestorm on the West Coast or an earthquake anywhere, you're probably gonna be able to tell the story. Uh, sure. And we wanna tell the story as opposed to be a statistic. So, so right. let's do the preparation and, 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 and back test in real numbers to see how did we do without recognizing that there might have been a better way, compare it side by side as best we can. And now we have some cold hard uh, reason to believe, you know, the next time might be better than the last time as opposed to the same or heaven forbid worse. Sure, absolutely. And we always can learn back and by looking back and seeing the ways that we can do things better, of course, but better to be prepared and to be moving forward. And that's that's the way I like to look at things. But many of us didn't take a look at finances until um, at different points in our lives, whether it was 2008 and what happened then or certain things that are happening now right. and realizing that we were not as prepared as where we should have been, or maybe we're just coming in to um, the economy and saying, okay, this is my time to start investing. I'm, I'm just getting into the workforce and I have a life ahead of me to prepare for. And so these are some very great strategies. I'd like for you to share with the audience again, your website, because I think that this is a good opportunity for them, one, to get familiar with what you have to offer and two, for them to be able to connect with you. Sure thing, it's pretty simple. It's uh, three words all together, ybpoor.com. So word Y, poor.com. So we try to make it simple so people can not get lost in numbers and zeros and X's and O's. So, and then, uh, so go to ybpoor.com. In the upper right-hand corner, you'll see a, a section that says riskometer. And there, so you can click on that. And there's two parts to riskometer. The first part, I give a little observation as far as what we expect over the next three to six months. 
in the way of the market activity, both to the positive and the negative, because who knows how it's going to turn out. So I try to cover both bases in a paragraph or two. I try to keep it short. And then uh, the below that is the actual riskometer where you look at you know what what are your numbers what's your risk analysis and then so you can click on that and it'll say okay what's your account value you can put it in any number you like you it'll prompt you through three or four maybe five questions to look at different versions of how the loss could be so severe you can limit that or you know the gains so you can see both sides of the equation as i say both in terms of percentages which nobody gets, but in terms of dollar values, which everybody gets, all right? So you can get closer to the end and then you're pretty much complete to say, okay, we'll, we will receive that information and then call you to talk about it with you. You know, if, you're, if you'd like to say, okay, now I, I kind of get this, talk me through it again and how does this work for me? Because at the end of the day, what, what we want for every investor, Rebecca, is to see if they're on approach Am I going to achieve the goals? Am I going to get my destination on time and safely? Kind of like going on vacation, right? Part one, part two, uh, leave this airport, get to that airport, then I'm good to get to where I need to go, but I, I see both sides of the equation. And then for the folks who are in retirement, the question is, can you stay in retirement? And that becomes more challenging when we start taking those withdrawals. So right. we want to, when we're younger, we can afford uh, volatility or when we have more time, um, negative volatility may work for us when we're contributing, probably won't, well, definitely won't work to us as we're taking withdrawals because the snowball's just getting bigger and bigger and the hole's getting deeper and deeper. We can't stop digging, right? So we want to figure out where, where is your loss limit? And, and for example, Mark Cuban, gazillionaire, right? He said in a couple of times in the last 24 months that he was 100% hedged. And my real point is he, he asserts that he's hedged. Most of us, we may have an idea what that word means, but we don't know if we're hedged <laughs> according to yeah. the way that we, that might be comfortable or appropriate for us at our time and, and the goals that we're trying to accomplish. So if, if we can get folks to pay attention to, I have enough money and it looks like I'm going to keep enough money for as long as I'm here, it makes whatever the trade wars turn into or you know, kryptonite happens somewhere. Oh, that's interesting, but it didn't happen to me. So I'm going to be okay. That's, that's what I want. Well, this has been extremely informative. I know that the viewers are going to really um, value the information that you shared today. And I think that this is a great opportunity for them to connect with you. And I appreciate you for being here with us and sharing the information that you have with us, John. My pleasure, Rebecca. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in today. What a wealth of information and pun is intended there. You can go to ybpoor.com and get more information. Check your risk. You really need to know so that you can begin moving forward. This is what we do is share the information to help you move in a forward direction. Definitely want you, I definitely want you to have all the tools on your belt to help you be just as successful as you want to be. Thanks for tuning in. I ask that you share this with all your friends, your family, those that you know, and also those that you don't. This is Rebecca Sounds Reveille. to Rebecca Sounds Reveille. I am really excited today because I have got someone who has a really incredible background. I've got to tell you with me today is an actor and director and you may already know who he is because he has been featured on IFC's, yes, comedy well, you may already know who he is. LP Green is with me today. He's been on The Big Bang theory. Yes, he has been on season three and season four. He's also a director of the Ice Wolf Queen. And he's going to tell us a little bit more about that because it's a pilot and it is all over social media right now and more. Not only that, he has 
an exclusivity with the Pasadena Horror Film Festival. And even more than that, his background is absolutely incredible because he has been all over and he has a lot of education in what he's doing. And I want to bring him on to share more about the film that he has going and the things that he's done. So welcome to the show, LP Green. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am, I'm jazzed. I'm absolutely delighted that you're here today. I've been so excited to talk to you because you have got an amazing background with the things that you've done because where you started out in your childhood and where it led to is absolutely incredible. I mean, you've, you started out from what people would say is kind of a backwoods town. Then you go to this, these big cities and then you become educated in La Jolla, which is a very prestigious area of San Diego County, which is in California. Most people that are from the United States know where that's at. And many people even around the world know where San Diego is, but La Jolla specifically is very prestigious. So to go, and become educated in that area really is high honors. And then now you're doing things from all of the things that you have acquired in life and been able to turn this into some things that you have found interest in based on everything that you have been exposed to, have learned about, and we want to hear about it. Well, uh, talk about it. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, so let me just ask you, let's if, just to really kind of slate everything, how did you go from just a kind of a small town into the the big time here? Oh, wow. Uh, well, uh, my mother, um, I, we grew up, all, like my mother likes, likes gypsy, you know, like grew up <laughs> all over Illinois, um, Peoria, I was uh, born in Sagamon County, Springfield, Illinois. Um, I lived in like Murfreesboro. I uh, grew up in Carbondale. That's was that's like my main upbringing in Illinois. Is Carbondale, Illinois, the Fields Apartments. Um, and then from there, my mom uh, took us uh, to California. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because when you hear someone say "took us to California," it reminds you of the Great Migration. You know. They took us to California and off we go. And you're thinking of, I don't know, the California history and things like that. And you have done it. You are, you are making history right now, actually, with the things that you're doing. And, well, let's just, let's talk about your film first, because people know you. They know who you are from your, the seasons on Big Bang. Oh, well, it's actually, the, the TV show is Comedy Bang Bang. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, yeah, um, I was in uh, Comedy Bang Bang, uh, season three and season four. Um, also, in, uh, I think, probably nine other movies. <laughs> Just, like, you know, bit parts, you know, small speaking roles and, you know, bit part here, a small speaking role here, you know, a stunt, doing a stunt job here, you know, getting, like, pushed around our head and then, like, hey, you know, or, or stop or, you know, a small role. But then I was like, I pretty much wanted to show Hollywood what I can do as an actor. You know, I started very young acting um, back in high school, you know. And I just, uh, one of the things I wanted to do and started, like, directing my own films was to show what I can do as an actor. So how did you start doing stunt roles? Oh, stunt work? Um, well, I, I studied martial arts for a very, very long time. Um, uh, what, 20 years, 20, 30 years in martial arts. Um, and then when I came to LA, um, you know, pretty much I, I started like doing, um, from an extra, from ground up, doing extra work, um, and doing, doing stunt workshops where I had to learn how to take martial arts, real fighting, and to learn how to fight for the camera, you know, cause God forbid, you know, you hit one of the, the main actors. Yeah. Martial artists is oh. trained to hit. And they're not trained to miss. So I had to re retrain my body to miss and and to work for the camera, you know. And so, so yeah, it that, that's takes a time. Lot of, yeah. 
That's a lot of disparity because when I know from the training that I've done, you do as you train. So when you're used to doing something and you've got to now kind of make adjustments and these are big adjustments. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that, that kind of is a lot of work on your part to kind of separate the brain from the body in comparison to what you had been trained to do before. So that, that is a lot of undertaking for you to do. So then you move on and here you also um, had your character as Jamal and have won um, quite uh, an honor with this role. Oh yeah, yeah, I won uh, Best Supporting Actor in a film festival, the Indie um, Film Festival. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, we won Best African American Film, and again, this is a horror film, so that, that was kind of really, really cool. And uh, I won Best Supporting Actor, you know, so I was really happy about that award because that's one of the main things I wanted to show um, by doing this uh, pilot, you know. And you, you found your interest in horror about what time in your life? Oh, geez. Oh, very, very young. Um, it was kind of forced onto me. <laughs> okay, so I was thinking that maybe you found it through arts or, you know, something that was going on and you said, okay, well, this is pretty interesting and I can kind of do special effects and this is what I like. But now I'm really more intrigued to find out really what drew you in. Well, what drew me into horror, again, was my mother. And when I say... I was forced into horror, not really forced, but uh, let's just, I'll just tell you a quick story. Um, back in the <laughs> 80s, <laughs> and, uh, there, was a thing, there was a thing called Latchkey Kids. Yes. And so I was a Latchkey kid. Yes. And so uh, when, <laughs> when my mom would go out working or partying or doing whatever she did, she do, she would sit me with the key around my neck in front of move, uh, front of the the, the VCR. Oh my God! This is literal. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. This, uh, wait, 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 wait. I mean, this is, people know about latchkey kids, and but they they're just envisioning this kid that goes home and they're alone. But literally, you have the key around your neck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're going home, and you're going to what many people don't even realize now that is so foreign. And dinosauristic is what is known as a VCR. Um, yeah. You got a rent from Blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Blockbuster video and Hollywood video, too, at the time. Those were the two biggies. No, I was still in Illinois, all, all this. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. So Blockbuster was it. Yeah, uh, I don't even think we had a Blockbuster in Carmadale. It was just a local uh, video store <laughs> okay okay so i gotta go weird here because a lot a lot of the a lot of those little a lot of those little video stores over time they kind of turned out to be weird stores later on you know what i mean oh yeah yeah this is 80s uh yeah. um, <laughs> this is so funny you're bringing it back okay go on I'm bringing it back because this is how it all started. <laughs> it is, but I mean, this was reality for us. Oh this, yeah, you know, now yeah. this we consider child abuse. <laughs> true, true, and even the transition going from these videotapes and from I mean, when we went to these video stores, they had regular movies, and then when the transition went from VHS to DVDs, those little video stores were not G-rated PG stores anymore. They were kind of weird stores. But this was our generation, and that's what we saw, these transitioning things happening. And it's really interesting. But go ahead with your story, because I, I have to just – this is so interesting. Okay. No, no, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's very true. And, like, uh, when she would go out, she would rent, you know, the VCR and then uh, get, like, five or six movies and say, watch these movies. I'll be back. You know? Oh, oh, wow. It would be like Friday the 13th, um, Freddy, you know, uh, Dream Warriors, not Dream Warriors, that was a little bit later, like A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, um, yeah, yes, mixed yes, in, yes. Mixed in with Pretty in Pink, mixed in with like Pretty in Pink, like a, 
a true role, like a, a romantic comedy mixed with a horror, mixed with a romantic comedy. And it was just all over the place, you know? And we're talking <laughs> horror. We're not, we're, we're talking. All right, so then being a latchkey kid, do you remember then the times when you were flipping through the through the UHF channels and you could kind of get HBO or something and the squiggly little lines coming in? Okay. <laughs> I want to take it even further. Remember, oh my remember when you have to have the wrench to, because your TV knob turns off and you have to turn it, you know, and you have to have, you'd have to get the UHF and then V. EHF and then UHF. Remember the two knobs? Yes, I do remember this. And then the UHF had a whole different channels. And then the V, was it VHF? Yes, you know, yes, VHF yes. Had the, the good channels. And then so you, and then sometimes your knob will come off and so you have to turn it. That's right, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, with the pliers. <laughs> oh, this is, I mean, you are just bringing it back because often we just go through life and we forget about stuff. And yeah. this is so funny. So this is where you started really developing an interest. And here it is taking you to something that I want you to hold up for our audience, what you're doing, because the graphics alone on this are just gorgeous. Do you happen to have that right there? Oh, the, uh, the graphics for the, uh, Poster? Yes, 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 yes. I think I do. Hold on. <laughs> uh, yeah. So here's the film. Uh, if you can see it. Okay, a little bit closer. There. Okay. This is absolutely stunning graphics. Did Did you do the graphics on this LP? No, actually, my editor did. Uh huh. Ralph, yeah, and that's actually my daughter, right here. Okay, down a little bit. Okay, and a little closer. So beautiful, so beautiful. Oops, you see it? Yeah, yes. that's my daughter, Winter. Um, you know, she's great. She, uh, we put her in acting classes at three. Um, she did the film at four, and at four she got nominated for Best Lead Actress in the film, you know? <laughs> This is fantastic. So let's, if you would like to share, and you can, and I know there's certain things when films are in production, you're at a pilot part right now, and certain things cannot be disclosed. But with the audience, with what you can share, can we talk a little bit about this? Because this is phenomenal, and it is the social media rage right now with what you do have going, that you have disclosed right now. Um, yeah, we can talk. Yeah, we can definitely talk about it. Um, the reason why I call it a pilot instead of a short film is because um, I, I, I wrote it, you know, it's short, but I also have a TV script version for the whole season. Yes. You know, for TV for the whole, like, one through ten season. I have that ready. And I also have a motion picture feature version, like a two-hour version of Ice Wolf Queen. And so... <laughs> trying to you know get this out and get to share the ice wolf queen pilot is because i don't know if someone will be interested in the film and so they might want to take it to a tv you know yeah. stop or they might want to like uh, buy it and make it into a feature film so i have both scripts ready and so that's why i call it the ice wolf queen pilot um but yeah the film is uh it's doing good and it's in film festivals right now um at first, we were being considered for 35 film festivals. I think now that we did about 10, you know, of course, like 25, still we got to go. But it's been winning. It's been doing good. Um, it's won, what, six awards, you know, out of uh, nine or 10 film festivals. Yeah. It's, 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 I'm really happy. I'm really happy with that. I uh, mean, that's, those are huge numbers. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and this is hundreds of films you know, being considered. Like, these film festivals are getting, like, 600 to 1,000 films. And for us to win, you know, the best, like, we just won Best uh, Horror Pilot in um, Silicon Beach Film Festival here in L.A. And also in L.A., uh, we won uh, uh, Audience Award for the best for the best short. Uh, best Horror Short. No, I think the best short or Horror Short. Let me look at the award. Oh, for the best short film, yeah. You know, so, it's easy to 
Yeah, Once you just, start acquiring LP, it's easy to to not like. Oh, I gotta tell you, but it's here's the thing: a lot of people don't really take into account what film festivals are all about and how much impact really they are and how meaningful they are. There's a lot oh, yeah. of difference in in them, and yeah. um, and even the circuit. So. Maybe you could share a little bit about that because if somebody's going, okay, that's just a film festival. I saw something that went on in my local area and I, you know, it's nothing like whatever. No, it yeah. is a big whatever. It is a big what, and it that's is that. something that is, is huge. And so maybe you could share a little bit about that so that someone that doesn't understand the film industry quite the way other people do, they can get a little bit, better understanding yeah well film festivals is the way you get your film out for people to see it for studios to see it for investors to see it and they're all over the united states all over the world and you pretty much put your film in these film festivals and hope for the <laughs> hope for it can compete with uh, all the rest of the thousands of films that sent to film festivals so but but film festivals is like this if you're in a band and um, you're in a band, a music band, you gotta go out and play shows to people to hear your music. And for record labels and uh, AR guys to see, your, to see you and to hire you or to sign you to a record label. Film festivals is the same way. You gotta put your film in these festivals so studios can see you, investors can see you, you know, agents can see you, for so you to get your film out there. And to win a film festival is your film is winning over hundreds, hundreds, sometimes thousands of um, other people's films. And then, you know, you hopefully something will happen. Like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of films that, you know, that we have today. And then that's, that's been in film festivals for a very long time. Um, there's one, I think it's called Night, uh, Lights Out, which is a very good one. Um, it's a, I think it's a three minute film that won some festivals and it be turned and turned into uh, what an hour and a half horror movie, which I think it came out in 2017 or 2018. Lights out, and and it's literally like two minutes long. And then, but it won, you know, got like a following online. You can Google it right now and watch the two minute version film. And then it turned into this big, you know, Warner Brothers Pictures or whoever signed it, um, million dollar. Yes, Napoleon Dynamite. And not not everybody can get into a film festival. And so I mean, how many how many people submit? And not only that, but not everybody that does submit has the quality oftentimes that's needed for an investor or for somebody that's looking to pick up a film to really make it. So what you're doing to get the awards that you've done really says that you stand out it's it's a massive massive uh blessing for you to be able to receive the awards um on this scale so we're i'm really excited for you we're really rooting for you on our end and really wanting to push this out because what you're doing and for those who know my show watch the show the audience members and for those that don't now i'm going to just share this in that the goal of our show is to my show here is to ensure that the audience leaves with something that they you know, can feel inspired by or can help them change their life. And I'm going to tell you that you are an inspiration in what you're doing, showing that from going from, you know, just absolutely a small, a small town, you're following and pursuing your dreams. You're doing what you need to do. And you're making a huge difference, not only in your own life, but your daughter's, your daughter has started out and she's already winning awards. And what you're doing it is absolutely an example to not only your immediate, the lives that are of immediate surrounding to you, but many that are rippling around those of your immediate family and your inner circle and further on out and my audience today. So I'm really excited because I want them to really be enriched by the things that you're doing. And for those who 
when I mentioned earlier that you have the exclusive exclusivity to the Pasadena Film Festival, I'm not talking about Pasadena, Texas. I'm talking about Pasadena, California, that's near Hollywood. And so can we talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm putting together this film festival as the founder. Um, of course, other people are running it, but I wanted, I wanted to put something together because film festivals has definitely helped me in my career, you know, and of filmmaking, you know, and getting my film out there. And so, um, it just is kind of like a thank you, you know, by starting, you know, this film festival. And I want other people and help other people to get their work out. You know, it's like pass the torch down, you know? And the horror community has been so supportive. Like, wow, it, they've been really supportive. I mean, they, man, <laughs> I got like 3,000 followers on my Instagram and most of them are horror related, you know, like people. You know, um, I've never had a community that's so supportive. And I just want to say thank you to the horror community. You know, and then, the Pasadena Film Festival was my way of saying thank you, because when well, we celebrate everything that's horror, you know, in filmmaking, you know, um, and then also looking, you know, help, you know, new filmmakers, you know, get their stuff out to see it in the theater. Like seeing my film in the theater, I think uh, the first place I saw my film was the Chinese theater, you know. You know oh. the yeah, and it was the Golden State Film Festival that put my film, you know, in the Chinese theater and I get to see it on the big screen in the Chinese head. And again, this is where they release Star Wars. This is where they release Purple Rain. You know, this is the Chinese theater in the middle of Hollywood. And, it, and you know, I like literally, it was, I was getting so emotional and just like, thank you to film festivals that did this for me. You know, so like, wow. But no, okay. so you're thanking them, but really you did it. I did, did it, but. So you need to. Really, the film together, you, you can make wonderful things happen. That's you know, it. A lot of, yeah, that's it. And that, but you're turning around and doing the same thing by doing the Pasadena because you just said this by doing the Pasadena Film Festival yourself because you said this just a few seconds ago. You were going to give filmmakers, other filmmakers, the same opportunity, and that's what I'm talking about yeah. with what you're doing here and sharing that with the audience, you're letting them know too, there's opportunities out there and oh, yeah. it's available to them. And this is, is this, you are so inspirational with what you're doing. And I really want to encourage so many people to follow what you're doing and to see what you're doing, to get connected. You're, you are just right now hot, hot, hot out there, and it is really apparent. Yeah, I've got to tell you, I've got lots of feedback from you. You don't even know. Um, I, I've got when I when I have talked about having you on the show, it, it is just like what really. Uh, yes, yeah, I'm gonna have them. You know, yeah. I mean, I've been very modest about it and very humbled about it because. Um, I know you and you have the same passion as I do in the way we look at helping people and what we're doing also with our own passion too. And so it's been really exciting to hear what I'm hearing and see what I'm seeing. And so I really would like my audience to get connected with you and to ensure that they become your audience and they share with their friends and their family and their colleagues and all their social media friends and family and people that they don't know and that the word gets out there because you're really like I said you're hot and it's it's there's more to come it's not going to stop so I want you to be the one to share with the audience how they can get connected with you because there's more and you're on the move oh yeah I've been on social media a lot I'm on Facebook LP Green um, the Instagram, LP Green, you know, <laughs> um, definitely. Um, also, my website is uh, officiallpgreen.com. But also, you know, a lot of people, again, the, things are looking good for me, but uh, if it wasn't for support, you know, for people believing in me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be getting what I'm getting, the attention that I'm getting. Mm -hmm. you know? And then another person is uh, Matt Sherrington, um, who also helped me um, 
write the film and direct the film because we're both disabled filmmakers. And sometimes while I'm directing the film, you know, I had to stop through medication because I'm recovering from a stroke, you know, and he had to take over directing for me sometimes, a lot of times, you know, and while I'm acting in the film, you know, or producing the film, you know, he was always there for me for support, you know. Um, so, you know, definitely if it wasn't for my support team, you know, um, and then um, Tamika Damon, you know, the mother of my children, definitely supported, you know, by watching the children, just watching the children while I go out, just a support team to help, you know, it, you know, all these little things and all these, all these people that just help in their own way. It's why I'm here. You know, you have a really good point because oftentimes we don't realize how much, yeah, uh, yes, support systems are essential to everything that we do. And even if we have this A personality, A type, and I'm one of them, I can do it. You know, I can do it all. No, we can't do it all. We really have to have a support system in place to be effective in what we do in accomplishing it all. Because really, it's really amazing what one person can do alone, but it's amazing when we have a team, what can be accomplished. Yeah. And yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Cause if you don't believe in yourself first and other people won't believe in you or, or help you, you know, and people, you have a good point. When you stuff. Yeah. And so people want to help because they know that you're going to do it and they, you're strong. Like you're a strong person. I know you <laughs> and I'm a strong person. And then people, you know, may say, Oh wow, he's really going to do it. I want to help him. You know, I want to support them. You know, they, you know, the drive that we have, you know, people want to, you know, help when it's real because this is LA and there's a lot of things. <laughs> you made a good point too. Cause like you said, being disabled, I mean, you don't have a good day every single day. You have a better day some days and some days are not as great as other days and you still get up and you make things happen. And that is, uh, you lead by example and it really inspires other people who aren't in the same position to go, I can do that too. And this is what I'm telling you. I mean, you are so humble and you are so driven to get things done. And even when you have limitations, you're not allowing those limitations to stop you from doing what you want to do to pursue your dream. Yeah. I, I love, I love film. I, I love, you know, the things I love, um, there's nothing that has stopped me from loving these things and keep, going towards them you know no i still no, love this uh, disabled no disease nothing you know you i love it yeah you gotta be strong for yourself and for others you know let me ask you a question this is kind of off the cuff so you're not going to have time to think about this one <laughs> and so this would be um this is geared towards your daughter if there's a mm -hmm. phrase that you could tell your daughter to live by what would it be? Wow. Just one little phrase. One little phrase. Be yourself. Always be yourself. Okay. And on that note, that's what I'm going to deliver to the audience. Be yourself. We are all unique. We each have something special to offer to this world. That's why we're here. And so you be yourself and you shoot for the dream that you want to have. Thank you so much for being with me today, LP. You have been such a delight. No problem. Anytime. And for all of you who've been watching, I want to thank you so much for tuning again in to Rebecca Sounds Reveille. This is LP Green. You can find him anywhere. Uh, make sure you check him on IMDb that you ensure to see um, what he's calling a pilot. Hold up. Hold up your... Um, yes. It's the Ice Wolf Queen. Yes. Thank you. There we go. A little, there we go. Perfect. So we can see your daughter winner. Okay. And you can catch him on Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. And if for some reason you are not catching him there, contact <laughs> me and I'm going to get you in contact with him. Thanks so much for tuning in. Again, this is Rebecca Sounds Reveille, and we'll catch you again next week. Bye-bye.